So, is hunting allocated whiskey just stupid? Camping outside, spending a car payment every month at stores to make sure you stay at the top of their list, raffles, bundles, is it all worth it? Well, if you wanna hear about it, then stick around. So just a quick reminder, if you're loving this content, we're gonna keep producing this for you for free every week. But if you're looking for that next level or you're just a supporter and you wanna jump on board, we'd like to invite you to check out our Patreon. We got a lot of great things going on over there. Behind the scenes footage, extended cuts, we're gonna do some single barrels, in-person meetups, monthly lives, we're gonna be able to have a drink together and sit down and talk. And so if you're interested in that type of thing, we'd love for you to go check out our Patreon. Link is down in the description. So let's go ahead and get started. We're talking about hunting. And I have my good friend Curtis with me who probably hunts more than most, I would say. I did for about two years, but yeah. then I kind of became more strategic in my hunts, if you want to call it. Right, and this was one of your special finds. What, what's this that we're about to open? You know, this is King of Kentucky and there's, there's an interesting backstory there, and I, I, I hunted for two years to find GTS, George T. Stagg, and it became quickly one of my favorites just through all the samplings. It wasn't because I said, oh, I want it to be my favorite. It just was. And actually, the blind that I did, the double blind with you, mm -hmm. was one that really kind of solidified that because I had no idea what I was drinking, and it was my number one right, right. in that instance. But... Long story short, through meeting folks within the bourbon world, they said, oh my gosh, well, if you like GTS, then you need to try King of Kentucky. Okay. Right? Well, it's not around here. It's nowhere to be found. So it's like this phantom unicorn that exists, and you hear about it in various places, but never here. Well, I sought out and had to find one myself. When you told me this was a booger to open, you were not playing. Oh, no. It's, uh, it's but a I challenge. I found, the, I found the sweet spot, I think. We're good now. Okay. So while we're talking about whether or not all this is just dumb, we're going to open up one of the most expensive bottles, and we're going to try it. So, um, so when, I, when I was interested, I had people send me samples, and I think that's the one thing about BRTC and someone say whiskey, that people are willing to send samples and give you a taste of what they enjoy. And this was the perfect example, right? So that kind of set me on my journey. For my 50th a few months ago, right, I wanted to crack it with you and Wes so that we could sit here and enjoy it together because that's what bourbon's about. It's really enjoying it together amongst friends. Right. So this subject was something that I became super interested in because I've had a couple people recently, uh, one gentleman in particular, that there was a series of questions where somebody would say, I can buy this bottle for this amount. Is this a good deal for me? Mm. And the person got very frustrated and said, how could somebody answer that question? There are so many factors that go into whether or not this is a good idea for you as an individual. You know, flavor, resources, the amount of effort that's gonna take. Are you burning an opportunity to buy something else to get this? And so I thought this would be a good idea for us to just, you know, talk about it and kind of lay out the framework on how we as experienced hunters and collectors make these decisions and maybe create a little bit of compassion in the community for people that are at different levels and what it is that they, they do to get their bottles. When I'm thinking about why somebody would even want an allocated bottle, bottle at all, uh, one of the, the reasons is because of the value of the bottle. Right? And bottles can have value for two different reasons. One, they can have value because of their resale value. Mm -hmm. 
And there are some people that like to hunt these bottles and hold on to them because they think that at some point in the future, they may want to sell them and that they'll be able to make a profit on it. And that's something that I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, another reason would be for the prestige of owning the bottle. It's not necessarily that you plan on selling it in the future, but you just love having it up there on the shelf. Mm. People come in and see it. And you know, it's like seeing somebody who's driving in a, you know, a supercar or on a yacht or something like that, right? It, it gives them that little bit of bump of prestige among the people that see it. Um, and the third reason that you might want some of these bottles would be for the memories and the experiences that you can create with them, right? I would add a fourth category. And I think some of us buy bourbon because people we care about or know like a certain bourbon. And so we want that. But then the value helps us to decide whether or not A, we like it enough or B, we may turn around and move it later, not to make a profit necessarily, but because they don't want to get stuck with it. I mean, like, oh my gosh, I paid $500 for this. How do I get rid of it? Because I really don't like it, right? Right. So I think there's that fourth element that brings into why do we take on and want that elusive unicorn that everybody else has? Hey, nice hat. Hey, thanks. Nice lanyard. Nice rocks glass. Thanks, man. Nice travel case. Nice blend topper. Thank you. Nice candle. Nice bottle bag. Thanks, man. That's a nice tumbler. Nice woman's t-shirt. Oh, thanks. Nice uh, extra schmedium shirt. Get yourself some nice things and get all the compliments that come along with it. Shop bourbonrealtalk.com. Everybody has their own equation for justifying whether or not this bottle is worth it for them, right? Is their goal profit? Is it prestige? Is it memories? Is it experiences? Or is it flavor? And you have to consider each one of those potential outcomes versus the money slash the time that it takes for you to get that bottle. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. So this all comes down to an individual's you know, personal time value of money right? So if, if you are a billionaire, right? And you can get that dopamine release from finding mm -hmm. that rare bottle that you've been looking for, uh, just by dropping, you know, say $4,500 at a price gouge store for the Pappy 23 that you've been wanting. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not the same decision to be made as a person that had to save up for months to get that amount of money. Is that fair to say? Uh, it's absolutely. Because you're, you're looking at the payoff related to it, right? Was it worth it in the end? And sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. You mentioned Pappy 23. For me, that was one that was my, one of my unicorns. Um, and I don't know if I can even say this, but I always say it's like licking the tree's ass. <laughs> it, it's, it's, and I like oak, but it has that taste that it's just not my preference. Do I want one just to have to have on the wall and kind of the skin? Sure, I'd love one, but... I no longer is something I gotta have because it's right. not something I'd go, hey, guys, try this, you'll like it. You know, it's it's not one of those moments. Right, right. Yeah, and, and so there are those those bottles out there that, and, and my big fear is, one, there's something in the whiskey world that destroys community. Mm -hmm. And it's when one person sees another person make that value judgment for them, mm -hmm. okay? And they put themselves into the situation to have to make that call for themselves, come to a different conclusion, right? Right. Either I would have bought that bottle or I would not have bought that bottle. 
And then they try to tell the other person that they made the wrong choice, right? And that's something that I see far too often. And it's something that we're trying to eliminate from Bourbon Real Talk community and just let people make their own decision. You know, there's, there's many ways to say it, but if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. That's what I was taught and that's how I was raised. And, you know, I think that's true in the bourbon community. Everybody's got an opinion. I mean, we all do. And let's let's face it. That's what I actually love about bourbon is everybody likes something different. And it's, let's say you we open this and you taste it and Wes or anyone else and they go, ah, I don't care for it. That's okay. That's all right, right? But the value to me is I get to share it with people who've never had it before. I enjoy that more than myself enjoying it, which may sound weird to many, but that's how you create the bond between folks. You know, I mean, this bottle itself, it was around 2,200 on secondary, roughly about four months ago. Mm -hmm. And it's still around 2,000. I think I'm at, uh, the retail is somewhere around 200-ish. I'll mm -hmm. never see it for that. So for me, am I gonna spend two grand on a bottle? No. 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 But this is the most I've ever spent on a bottle. It was 800 mm -hmm. and some change, right? And somebody go, well, is that worth it? Um, to me, yeah. Right. Do you know how many pours I'm gonna get out of this meeting other people? Plus, I like it. But it is one of those that I'll put aside. It won't be a daily drinker, but it'll be one that I may bring to a bottle share and say, all right, give it a try. Right. And just knowing you may have touched 10, 20, 30 people that have had a chance to try something they never had, to me, that's what I love about sharing. Right. Well, and, and that's one of the, the, the battles that I face because I do get the opportunity from time to time to buy a rare allocated bottle. And at this point, I've tried pretty much everything that's out there with very few exceptions. And I have been put in a situation where I had the opportunity to buy a bottle that I knew I did not like, mm. right? And maybe it's an expensive bottle. Right? Perfect example would be Elijah Craig 18, mm. right? I've seen them for 160 to 200 bucks. I do not like it. It is a single barrel. There's some variants there. Um, and I've had some that I liked more than others, but I've never had one that I liked. Mm -hmm. And so somebody would go, well, why would you pay $200 to get a bottle that you know that you don't like? Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm trying to explain to everybody out there, it's not just about flavor. And in fact, I would say that all of the most expensive bottles their sole reason that they are worth that much on the secondary is not because of flavor. Oh, I would agree with that. It's it's more like the ability to attain it, how scarce it is, right? right. And some of it is just BS persona and, and where somebody has, you know, created this, oh my gosh, it's this, and then it kind of spirals out of control from there, right? So if I was ever someone who was manufacturing or distilling this, I would create that with whatever bourbon I have because it exists in so many areas. Right. I mean, look at Oki, you know, for example, okay, I, uh, New Riff has got a lot of, hey, look at this single barrel, look at this specific store pick. I mean, there's a lot of people trying to create that buzz and it works specifically right. within that community. Sure, yeah, the enthusiast community for sure. Look at what, um, do you remember when the, um, the Hirsch bottle came out? Oh yeah. I mean, look at that one. Oh, it's rumored to have Willet juice in it, right? Remember what yeah. happened there? And the value went from a $90 bottle to several hundred quickly with no facts or foundation to right. say, oh yeah, it is. It was just all hearsay. It was, yeah, it's, it's, it's fair missing out. But what I hope that everybody can get from watching this is that try not to cast judgment on others because I might be buying an expensive or rare bottle because I want to be able to create that light in the eyes moment when I give it to somebody who's always mm -hmm. wanted to try it. 
I might be doing it for some other reason. Maybe it makes me feel good to walk in and see that I have things that other people don't have. Mm -hmm. You know, that's legitimate. Um, let people make their own decisions, but everything that I've ever tried to educate you all out there in YouTube land about is that you don't have to spend a lot of money or a bunch of time acquiring allocated bottles to drink world-class whiskey. And so it's almost never about flavor. Um, and you know, if ever you're in a situation and you see somebody has gotten some bottle and it irritates you, just put yourself in a couple of extreme situations, right? Ask yourself, if this person was a billionaire and it wouldn't be worth their time to bend over and pick up a $100 bill if they lost their stream of income for the time that it took to pick it up, uh, maybe they can make that decision a little bit differently than you would. And, and you have to leave space for other people to assign that value. But what I do want the conclusion to be is that I don't want anyone spending money on a rare bottle that they don't have to spend. Don't put yourself in a bad financial situation because of fear of missing out. Um, that's something that it, it would make me feel sick to know that y'all saw us open a bottle or saw us do a review on a bottle and you put yourself in a bad financial situation trying to chase that experience because uh, like I said, none of these bottles are selling for all that extra money simply because of, of flavor. Now, you know, and what did it for me, um, and for me over the course of three years, I joined secondary pages, not because I wanted to trade or, or sell, I wanted to learn, mm -hmm. you know, and, and people don't realize that when you're getting into bourbon, you're learning about everything from price points to what you like, what proof point and so on. And, and I think that you, you can't undervalue that enough that as you're learning from secondary, you realize there's guys who have cases of stuff that you dream of. And right. I mean cases. Cases, yeah. And not one or two, like we are, you know, some guy arbitrarily won something to raffle and said they want to make 1500 off of it. Cases. Mm -hmm. It's a business for them. And I think for me, about two years ago, you know, light, light, light switch, you know, kind of went off and it's like, wait a minute. It's not that valuable. It's just brown water. I think somebody told me you pee it out, right? Every brown water <laughs> becomes pee. Yeah. And I think you have to remember that with bourbon. So drink what you like, mm -hmm. right? Don't worry about what somebody else likes because mm -hmm. while it may influence you, you all have differences and that's okay. Right. Well, I'd say in conclusion, what I hope that you learned is that is chasing allocated whiskey stupid? You can only answer that question for you. You cannot answer that question for somebody else. They have to decide whether or not it's the right decision for them, their financial situation, and the time that they have to sacrifice. So we'll leave it at that. If this is your first time tuning in, I'd love to tell you about our show philosophy. We're all about bringing people together around bourbon. And that's something that's really important to us because I did lose a loved one to suicide in 2014. And that made me want to go out and find ways to create connection and community so that no one has to feel the way that my brother did whenever he decided to take his life. And I saw the connected power of bourbon and that kind of motivated me to start this channel because I figure if I can get you connected to whiskey, the whiskey will do the rest of the job and get you connected to others. Uh, but as I started to go down that path and get involved in the enthusiast community, I did see kind of a negative underbelly and I saw a lot of people in forums being hateful to strangers online. 
And that caused me to realize two things. One, I needed to start a discussion forum that didn't allow all of that hate. Uh, and we did that with Bourbon Real Talk community. And two, it taught me that if those people can hate you online, there's nothing that keeps me from loving you online. And that's why I end every podcast the same way. And that's this. If you woke up this morning and you were unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you. And I'll see you next time on Bourbon Real Talk. Cheers. A whiskey troll is a person who seeks negative attention and uses contrarian attitudes to derail civil discussion in online forums. They communicate in ways they never would face to face because they're keyboard warriors. Their only goal is to make other people feel inferior. Hey guys, I'm new here. I just got my first Blanton's. And trust me, you probably paid way too much. I don't care much about the Blanton's, but nice <laughs> There's no way that she didn't buy that at secondary. Idiot. Oh, I know how you got that bottle. So, are you sick and tired of the whiskey trolls running your fun online? Well, that's why we started Bourbon Real Talk Community. Congratulations. Let me know what you think when you open it up. Hey, welcome to the group. Let me send you over a sample of Blanton's Gold and straight from the barrel. See how you like those. I remember back to my first bottle of Blanton's. It was the birthday to my son, and we enjoy it every year on his birthday. Congrats. So if you're looking to connect with some people online who aren't head over to facebook.com and join Bourbon Real Talk community today.